I hit the record button and you stopped your oops, oops. I can keep it going if you want. Yeah. Drop. So that's the new intro song then. Consider the beat officially dropped. Okay, love it. <laughs> That's like one of my life mottos. <laughs> Why do anything when you can do it with the all the enthusiasm of a branded donkey? <laughs> I should get that framed, really, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it. I'll put it on Instagram. That is on a picture with a filter. <laughs> that is officially the course of the episode. I think. There we go. Anyway, <laughs> we're right. one minute in. Yes. <laughs> That's it. Quote of the episode one minute. So before we get on to <laughs> before we get on to the show proper, I just wanna issue some news to all of our listeners. <laughs> yeah, Joe. <laughs> yeah, we have a little bit of news. Um we, the Waffling Tailors, are now part of by the time this episode goes out, we are now part of the J and J Media Network, which is um a small podcasting network set up by me and Jay Miller of the Productivity and Tech podcast. Uh, we've done this essentially because between the, t- the pair of us, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven podcasts. And paying for hosting and managing all of that separately, like on an individual basis, seemed a bit silly. So we've combined them all together. Like a Voltron. That's it, like a Voltron. Like a Voltron. Do 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 Something not paying for podcasts one at a time. <laughs> that actually worked pretty well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that actually worked pretty well, yeah. So yeah, we're now part of the J and J Media Network. So if you head over to in your browser, J A Y A N D J A Y dot media M E D I A, you'll get a website with her, which lists all of the shows that are on there and some stuff that um, is also being served from J and J Media. So the shows that are on there. Uh, Let's Learn Python, which is Jay teaching me how to program in Python. Ask a Brit, which is Jay asking me stupid questions about being British. The .NET <laughs> Core podcast, which is... Sorry? Does he know what a crumpet is? Well, that is one of the subjects of an entire episode. How do you pronounce so, yeah. aluminium? Aluminium? As of recording right now, that was the episode we recorded last night. <laughs> Crumpets and aluminium. So yeah, we're way ahead of you. Cricket! Nobody understands cricket. You gotta know what a crumpet is to understand cricket. I'll teach you. To understand cricket. That's it, yeah. So we've got, yeah. Let's Learn Python, Ask a Brit, DevOtaku, the .NET Core podcast, this show, and Productivity in Tech. So that's pretty cool. Uh, There'll be a link in the show notes to check those out. And because we're part of the network, we get some stuff that is podcast-specific stuff. So it's behind the scenes. What was the phrase I used before? Baseball fan stuff, I don't know. But anyway, behind the curtain stuff. So that is the important bit taken care of. Inside baseball, I think, the time, yeah. That's the one. Thank you very much, B. Inside baseball, that's the phrase. You see, I picked that one up from listening to Ken Levine's podcast, Ken Levine. And he's he wrote a whole bunch of episodes for The Simpsons. He wrote 
two, three seasons of MASH. He wrote almost the entirety of Cheers. He was a baseball announcer at one point, so listening to all of his stories. And he uses that phrase all the time, inside baseball fans, because he was a baseball announcer for, for years. Did he do the, the piano thing? You know, like, da, 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 no, 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 no. Do you mean Ken Charles? No, no, Ken Levine. Ken, is it Ken Levine? Oh, no, yeah, yeah, it's kind of, he's got the same name, yeah. He looks way too, God, he looks way too young in that picture to be, yeah. Yeah, because I was, I was getting confused with Ken Levine, who obviously is the guy behind Bioshock. Not the same man, yeah. I guess, uh... Google when it's... They've got the exact same name. So that's why I was just like, just checking you're not confusing it with the person from Bioshock, just because obviously on this podcast, that could be a thing where I could get people confused because it's about games, ostensibly. <laughs> Would you kindly not get them confused? Mm. Would you kindly? Precisely. Hey, I've got to link it back to games somehow. I mean, that's the inside baseball talk. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yes. But yeah, so that's the thing. So check out the J&J Media Network because that's what we're part of. There'll be a, a new bumper at the end of the episode. You'll have noticed as well, there wasn't a Patreon message at the beginning of this one just because we're trying out no Patreon messages because we just want to get straight on into the episode. So now that all of that stuff is done, let's jump straight into how is everyone? So B, how are you? Yeah, not bad, you know, surviving, crawling along into the new year. I've been spending most of the Christmas break, I'd say on catch up, but as much as I would like to pretend that I'm catching up on things that I've missed over the year, in reality, it's like, oh, look, here's another game on sale. Oh, get this brand new game. Good for you. And now the backlog gets wet because I'm just that sort of horrible person. Fair enough. It might be because I'm tired, but... When B said, I'm playing, he, he started the word with the K, and my brain heard him say ketamine for some reason. Oh, yeah. I've started the new year on ketamine. <laughs> I've started the year on ketamine. <laughs> wow, my eyes are really wide. Yeah. At the end of the year, I hope to be found in a gutter in a pool of my own vomit. But that's standard. So, <laughs> Like everyone else. Exactly. New Year's resolution. Yeah, so sorry about that, but that's just what my brain heard. <laughs> that's fair enough. I've written that down. That's an important thing to know. Starting the new year on ketamine. <laughs> With all the excitement of a branded donkey. That's exactly it. There's a full <laughs> sentence right there. There we go. <laughs> and it goes downhill from here. It's like Mad Libs, <laughs> but for podcasts. That's what we do. <laughs> Pod Libs. Pod Libs. Madcasts. The Waffling Taylor's Mad No, no. We'll stay away from Madcasts just for no reason whatsoever, okay? Okay. <laughs> yeah anyway uh, right okay so squidgy how are you i'm i'm still here i mean that's a good thing yeah which i think is a bonus well yeah that's true what i'll say before we go on is my goodness it's a new year so happy new year new year everyone hey. Woo! Hey. Ooh, Hooray! 2019 hey. <laughs> look at all the things there are to look forward to opens the newspaper oh god no close the newspaper close the newspaper God damn. All I've got to say is I'm glad to see the back of 2018. Yes. Various reasons. So that's 2018 done, 2019 coming up. What I thought we could do at some point. Can I just put in real quick? I just thought I might mention before I forget. For whoever was involved, it was awesome. The Hello Squidgy thing. Thanks everyone that got involved. It was absolutely awesome. Never fails to put a smile on my face. Thanks guys. Oh yes. So did you know about this B? I know you were in it, but did you hear it? Yes, I listened to it. Yes, it was very hashtag wholesome and lovely and cool. I enjoyed it on behalf of, of Squidgy, as well as, you know, obviously actually enjoying it. 
Mm. Rewind Donkey's Rally. Indeed. That's the one. So for people who may have missed it, even though it's released as a podcast episode towards the end of 2018, I put out an open call for everyone who'd been on the show and for a few people who were related to the show to send in um, a bunch of recordings of them saying hello, Squidgy. And I put together what can only be described as a couple of minutes of weirdness where everyone is just saying <laughs> hello, Squidgy to Squidgy. Apart from Joe saying aluminium. That's the, yeah, exactly. Aluminium. It was a lovely end of year bonus. Yeah, start of year bonus, that's because it was New Year's Day, but you know what I mean. So for everyone that was on that, thank you ever so much for sending those in. Go back to the previous episode to get a proper thank you, because I thanked everyone and called them out individually. Especially, I just want to call out Lulu, who, as far as I could tell, she'd forgotten. And she was actually with family at the time and snuck off into a back room got her phone out and recorded a bunch of silly voices and not all of them made it into the recording. Oh, So thank you very much, Lulu, for taking the time out of your family uh, sort of festivities. Well, thank you, everyone, I guess. Big thumbs up. Yeah. So what I thought we could do is we do our normal stuff and we can maybe towards the end, if we've got time, talk about one or two of our most anticipated games of 2019, because that could be cool. I know that we don't usually do new stuff, but I thought it would be pretty cool to do that. Mm. I have some talking points, and I know Squidgy has some talking points. I've got a few bullet points. Do you have any talking points, B, that you want to talk about? Talking points, like specific things? Or? Yeah, any specific stuff you want to talk about before we do, like, what have you been playing? And No, I think, to be fair, with the brick and that, it's kind of a getting everything back into gear now and everything is just uh, winding up again. So I'll uh, I'll leave it to you guys. It's, it's more playing catch-up, really, this time of year, isn't it? Yeah. Like B mentioned earlier on, before the big list of video games gets bigger again towards the summer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you say summer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're going to get out of January without a bit of a backlog, are we, with the two releases at the end of January? Jeez. Well, steady on. Oh, we'll get to that later. Also, important service announcement. Uh... start the year you need to go on i mean we ended the year with me farting into the microphone yeah me trapped in a corner beginning the year with squidgy burping into the microphone sounds like a good way to start it that's the quality content that our subscribers listen for that's it all both of them which i might add when he farted into the microphone i was literally trapped in a corner my god there was so much protein in that fart you could chew it and that's what G said. What was cut out, but i thought i might mention it coming back to a seemingly slightly cleaner version of the show <laughs> <laughs> or at least less smelly. So there's a couple of things I wanted to talk about, if that's all right, before we do the what have you been playing stuff. <laughs> so I just want to give an update on my new PC. I am getting a new PC. By the time this episode goes out, I will have the new PC. <laughs> so I'll try and put up like a blog post about the new PC, if anybody's interested in that. For the TLDR version is I switched it on at some point early in December, just powered it on to do some audio editing. And I was asked by someone in the room, can you smell burning? Something burnt out, and if I'm completely honest, with all the stuff happening at the minute, with the work I'm doing, with the outside of work stuff I'm doing, with the podcasts, I don't have the time to just sit and spend a couple of days figuring out specifically what's wrong with it, so I've just bought a new PC, and when I have the chance, I will figure out what went wrong with it. So that will be here soon. Well, if, if you smelt burning, it's probably best just to get all from scratch, because chances are you would have burnt out some of the motherboard. The best way to diagnose it was to switch it on and see what catches fire first, and then that's probably the, the component that's... That's the issue, yeah. Yes, probably. Right, your flame starts shooting out, and it depends. If your left eyebrow goes, it's a RAM problem. Yeah. If your right eyebrow sets on fire, it's a hard drive problem. If both eyebrows set on fire and your face melts, it usually means get a fire extinguisher, then buy a new PC. That's the first thing I got taught at IT tech school. And if your pants catch on fire, you're standing in a volcano, so... I thought that if your pants caught on fire, you were lying about something. Because you're standing in a volcano. 
you couldn't possibly be standing in a volcano because of the, what's the word, convention heat, whatever it is, because it would set you ablaze. A lot you know. Anything set in the middle of a volcano couldn't happen because both people would be too close to the lava to actually survive and they would set it on fire. So that's why you're a liar, liar, pants on fire. Exactly. So yes, that's true. That is the most unbelievable part of that entire ending of Resident Evil 5. That's definitely the most unbelievable part. <laughs> Everything else, definitely based in realism of, in the Resident Evil series. What you know, B, the amount of times I've had to fix PCs in the middle of a lava storm, you know. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, the amount of times I've had to beat up a boulder, I mean. A boulder or a bold person. Th- throw, throw a missile at a helicopter. I mean, using the tentacles at my back. I mean, you know. So it was standard, you. isn't it, Frank? Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> So aside from that, based on a conversation I had with Squidgy and Ike offline a few days ago, Ike was asking for stuff about GPDs because he's got one as well. It is an amazing mm. piece of hardware. I told him that the most recent build of Raycast, which is one of the Dreamcast emulators, runs absolutely everything I've thrown at it, except for Shadow Man, which makes me upset. Aww. But there you go. Didn't you mention before that like, Shadow Man's like a really weirdly complicated example, like nobody's been able to get it running on emulator because it does something really weird in how it programs or something. Yeah, more than likely. More than likely. It's, it's similar to trying to get um, Resident Evil 2 working on an N64 emulator. It's just really difficult. Mm, yeah. Especially any emulator playing Resident Evil 2, you'll find that either the fire doesn't show up or the water is clear, as in crystal clear, so there's no fogginess so you can see the enemies. Right. It's really hard. It's something to do with, and on certain emulators, like Dino Crisis 2, Resident Evil 2, you need a certain amount of, it's called junk on the screen, extra junk to see stuff. If you have too much, you can't see the game. If you have too little, scenery goes missing. So it's a fine line, and you have to change it, certain parts of the game. So if you want the full experience, you have to save it, go out, change the settings, and come back in. It's a bit of a nightmare. But Resident Evil 2 is a bit like Shadow Man. It's a bit finicky to get emulation going on it. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. It's not a huge issue. You know, if I really desperately wanted to play Shadow Man, I'd go and buy myself a Dreamcast to play it. But there you go. But that, what you said there, Squidgy, about Resident Evil 2 on the N64 is a nice little segue into we were on the Arcade Attack podcast recently. Yes, we was. Another little segue I'll come into later on, but it's a shame we didn't have the tech that I recently got delivered today. Otherwise, it would have been awesome. I haven't had a chance to listen to it all yet, but from what I do remember, I remember Chief saying that, you know, he plays scary games not necessarily to uh, himself, but that usually what happens. He plays them economically. Is yes, he, he plays them frugally. I mentioned that the first time I played Silent Hill, I didn't bother picking up the radio at all. Bloody hell, like, that's like super hard mode. Yeah, and that was the first time I played it. Jeez. So I'm going to have a link in the show notes to the episode that we appeared on the Arcade Attack podcast with the Arcade Attack dudes. We'd arranged it a few weeks beforehand and we were setting up and I think Squidgy got a text from Chief Problem saying, hey, when you guys are free later on today, do you want to hang out? And I said, get him around, get him around, get him around. And he was a surprise guest. Yeah, what originally happened was I said, "Um, are you free after about three? Because we were going to record at about one. And then, um, you know, Gabrockman said to me, who's that? I said, oh, it's, it's Chief. And I said, he wants to meet up. So I said, about three. And then I had very quick typing and said, oh, see if he's in town now. So I said, are you in town now? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, do you think you could, you know, come straight to the drum? And then um, I just had Kaprogman giggling from the other side of the room. 
why are you giggling? And he said, oh, I've just asked the, the guys at the arcade a second. I said, do you mind if we get um, Chief Problems in here? And the the response that we got wasn't yes or no. He just said, Royal Rumble. Yeah, we had an audio Royal Rumble. And he had, nice. he had precisely five minutes to prepare from getting in through the front door to setting up. But yes, so that was totally a thing. So definitely go check that out. Uh, which leads me on to... One more thing before we talk about the bomb that was dropped that we talked about several times that is no longer the bomb that we dropped. I kind of, I know you haven't played it, Squidgy, and yes, it is a game. It's not a movie, but I kind of want to talk about Bandersnatch. keep having these vivid dreams, like thinking weird things. What sorts of things? You're not in control. But I feel like everybody who's going to have said anything about Bandersnatch will have said it. The only thing I know about Bandersnatch is it's got multiple endings. Oh, yeah. That's all I know. Yes, it has. I would be happy to talk about it with you. Are you okay with that, Squidgy? Are you going to play it? It's a game. I thought it was a Netflix thing. It is. It's an interactive episode of Black Mirror. Um, I'm not too big on Black Mirror episodes. Um, By all means, talk about it. I'm probably not going to watch it. So feel free for spoilers and stuff. So the reason I keep talking about it as a game is because, you know, essentially it is. It's a kills your own adventure, basically. That's it. So you're watching it, right? And then a character will, like, say, what do you want to do? This or that? The simplest way to explain it, really, is the the very first choice. So in the very first scene, your father basically asks you, because you're playing as this games programmer from the 80s, and your father asks you, do you want Frosties or do you want Sugar Puffs? And you can choose if you want to have frosties or sugar puffs the height of critical decisions yeah yeah it is you're making fun but it's actually very very subtly affects something later in the game (laughs) yeah okay yeah there's a part later in the game where you're watching a documentary that was recorded on v8 no betamax off of the tv right that's when this is set is when vhs and betamax were both i think puts the videotape in 1984 yeah he puts the videotape into the player and the first thing that comes up is an advert for the serial you chose at the beginning of the game (laughs) Nice. But obviously at the time you made that choice, you, that, that's the result of that choice. Mm. And that's the whole idea throughout the whole thing. You're making these choices, not knowing at the time what they will result in. Ah. It really is absolutely amazing. It's brilliant. I've heard a lot of people like criticizing it, saying that the story wasn't enthralling enough yeah. or that the dialogue wasn't brilliant. But okay, I'll tell you what, you write eight different stories and have them all intermingle and change about and give it an interactive component and we'll see how you do. You know what I mean? I'm not disputing that, but I will say that I did think it was one of the weaker episodes of Black Mirror looking at it from a story perspective. But definitely. I, they have written much better stories of Black Mirror. I completely agree that the interactive element definitely would have made that more complicated. And there's lots of people saying that, you know, the interactive element wasn't that great. But to be honest, for what it's for, which is Netflix, as a more general audience than a traditionally gaming one, I think it was fine. And it's a great gateway into like proper choose your own adventure games like um late shift uh, madness of dr decker yeah and the ones that you can buy you know proper fmv adventure games that are available on your various gaming platforms i'm glad you mentioned that b i'm i'm gonna try and get that you know the madness of dr decker yeah i was gonna get it on switch but then i realized because it's fmv it might have loading time problems 
It might take a bit longer. I know this isn't a television podcast, but if I have to recommend something, I would recommend Black Mirror. Overall, it's just a really good, dark, twisted series that looks at technology in a really interesting way and plays about with some very cool story ideas. Tangent incoming, but you mentioned sort of like uh, Black Mirror, Charlie Brooker and all that. One of the things that was recently put on um, Netflix that I watched again is a little awesome show called Dead Set. You ever see that? Mm-hmm. I remember I bought that on iTunes ages ago yeah. and I watched that and I really loved it because it was... You know, the whole world's gone zombie apocalypse and the safest place is a Big Brother house. Yeah, yeah. The premise of it is brilliant. Black Mirror actually came from it. Yeah, I was going to say, you know how there's the spaced episode that is essentially clips of Resident Evil interspersed within the episode? Yeah. Art, I think it's it's called Art. You know how that essentially became Shaun of the Dead? Well, Dead Set essentially became Black Mirror because it's very, very similar. And I remember specifically to advertise it, they had a thing where if you went on the website, and you put in your name, I think it was the main character from the show, she would write your name in blood on a wall, and then she'd get chased across the screen. Yeah. That was... Yeah, there's a really good book called Inside Black Mirror that only came out about a month ago, and that tells you like the story of making every episode of Black Mirror, and also has a little bit about how Deadset then became what ended up as Black yeah. Mirror, basically, the sort of process there, and it's really interesting. Welcome to the TV show podcast. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think that's all I'm going to say about Brandersnatch, except that, or is it Bandersnatch? Bandersnatch Whichever, yeah. Bandersnatch. Bandersnatch. Yeah. Bandersnatch. I noticed that on the tweet you'd put Brandersnatch. Yeah, because I screwed up, because I'm an idiot. But what's really interesting is it's called Bandersnatch, right? Because there's a book in the thing that he, no, no, sorry, it's called Bandersnatch because it's the idea was based on what was going to be what's called a mega game called Bandersnatch, which was scheduled to be released on the first day the, the Bandersnatch experience happens on so that happens on july 9th which is when bandersnatch the video game was meant to come out but it never came out because the company went bust yeah partly based on an actual game by imagine software Mm -hmm. that was going to come out like kills your own adventure bandersnatch the word though itself actually comes from alice in wonderland yeah because it's a a fairy tale that this book was sort of uh, sorry this game was supposed to be sort of based on then as kate says that's how it comes back to Black Mirror Bandersnatch was based on the game that was cancelled. Yeah, But obviously Bandersnatch, the Black Mirror experience, has lots of very similar Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass moments as well. Especially, literally, climbing through the looking glass, which is one of the endings. Ah. Did you get the way where you could actually do that and then you wouldn't actually go through the glass and you'd break the mirror? No, I didn't get that one. But I think I managed to get like seven of the endings, including, so there's, so what's really cool, right, Squidgy? I think you'll really like this, right? There's a bit that's called the Netflix ending. Right. There's a part in the game where he's screaming at his computer because his computer goes off right? And he starts talking to you, the player. What's going on? Who are you? Right? And you have to answer one of your possible choices is the word Netflix. (laughs) And then you describe to him what Netflix is. Then he goes to see his, um, his counselor, his psychiatrist whatever his therapist and they're they're trying to describe what netflix is and she says is it a planet is it a thing what is it she says to him if this really was for someone's entertainment wouldn't it be full of action and your two options are yeah and yeah (laughs) regardless of what you choose you get into a fight with her like she stands up and goes come on then come at me and it switches to like an action movie shaky cam fast cuts and you have two options fight her or jump through the window. If you fight her, that shortcuts to an end of the game. But if you try to jump through the window, right, he runs around the desk, tries to get through the window, and you hear this, cut, cut, 
cut and it cuts to the set of the actual filming <laughs> and the director walks in and he goes this isn't the bit where you jump out the window this is the bit where you fight her <laughs> and that's the end of it like it's called it's literally called the netflix ending is brilliant yeah and he goes uh, do you feel all right john and then he goes oh no i'm nathan as in his character's name so it's like implying that the actor's gone crazy and become the character which is really like Ooh, <laughs> very Black Mirror-esque, really. Mm. Yeah, it's really cool. I think I've had nearly every ending that I know of, except for this one that has been mentioned around the internet that apparently there's one that the director doesn't know of yet and he doesn't know how to get to. And the director's not seen it yet, <laughs> but the film did. So it's in there somewhere, but it seems not even the director found it yet. Like No one knows how to get it yet. Cool. There's also an ending that I should mention where if you do it things in a certain order in a certain way... You get, I say a true ending because there isn't really such thing as a true ending in it, but there's a certain ending or one of the endings that you get so many times, it's a bit convoluted how to get it. Then it cuts back to like this scene early on in it where he's on the bus and he puts a cassette in. Now, when you're playing it the first time, you're supposed to choose what music he's playing. This time you don't choose and he puts a tape in, but it says Nosedive, sorry, on it, which is Nosedive is another Black Mirror episode, but it's actually the name of one of the games in, in the show. And he presses play on the tape and it plays this tone, which is basically the spectrum tone for when you had, you know, when you had a game yeah. loaded by tape and he goes, and it plays that people recorded it and realized that it's a genuine tape sound of an actual game. And if you put it in the spectrum emulator, it takes you to a QR code. You can scan the QR code to go to this hidden website or hidden part of the website that's set up for a band of snatch. Yeah. And then you can actually download Nosedive, the game um, that they've made to play in a ZX Spectrum emulator. <laughs> it's DDLC all over again. Yeah. They filmed like, there's five and a half hours, I think, of finished footage. Good God. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. There's definitely not a billion like endings, but permutations are like each little thing could change. It's a combination there could well be, because I'm not very good at math. You just know there's one guy out there who's determined to find all of them. Well, why not? So giving away one of the possible endings, and it's not the hardest one to get to. So one of the endings that I got that I absolutely loved is called History Repeats Itself. Now, during the show, you meet this guy called Colin, and you can go around to his flat. When you go around to his flat, you meet his other half and his daughter. Whilst he's holding her and introducing, he says, Daddy's little legacy. As you progress through the rest of the game, depending on what choice you choose there, sorry, let me just dial all the way back. So there's a point where you've been drugged to and taken to your therapist. Your choice is go see the therapist or follow Colin. And depending on what you do from that point onwards, you get one of like four different, not endings, but different footage that tells the same story throughout the rest of the, the game. So you go around to Colin's house, you take loads of drugs. Even if you don't, so you get the choice, take the drugs or don't take the drugs, you still end up taking the drugs. And then there's a choice, you jump out the window or he jumps out the window, right? He jumps out of the window. From that point onwards, he's not in the show at all <laughs> until, so there's, there's points where you get to an end and it says, click to go back. And it plays you like a short previously on type thing, you know, clips of the, the footage that leads you to the point where you made the last decision. Letting you like have another chance at making a different choice for certain routes. But what's great is if he kills himself and then you go back during these bits, when you first meet him, the clip that plays when you first meet him, he goes, don't I know you? And during the rest of that journey. So you're not necessarily coming back on the same path you went on. It's slightly altered. Slightly different. Yeah. So 
acknowledges your restarts and stuff. Kind of like um, Undertale. Each time you complete it, yeah, it remembers, yeah. depending on what you do. A little bit, yeah, yeah. There's other things that people haven't worked out yet, like haven't how it tracks it. So like I say, this this one elusive ending. Bear in mind that most of the internet, Reddit slash whatever, kind of thought that they had mapped out everything within the first week or so, not even that. And yeah, now, the, like I said, the director's saying that there's definitely an ending that he doesn't know about or that he doesn't know how to get to, but he knows he filmed it and he hasn't seen it on any of the things. So as people are hunting for this one elusive ending. Nobody knows how to get to it apart from whoever programmed it. <laughs> That's one way to get views, isn't it? Yeah. But what's great about, so like uh, the ending I was I was sort of leading to, right? So you go around and see Colin, he introduces you to his girlfriend and you see his baby, right? He then kills himself. You then go through the rest of the story. At one point, depending on the choices you make at the very end, his girlfriend shows up, but it's during another backtrack where you don't go to see him, right? So you've so you've played through it. You've hit go back. You've gone back to an earlier decision. You haven't gone to see him, and she turns up. So his girlfriend turns up at your house, but Colin is still missing, right? Because remember, it's diverging storylines, but you're still not. You're playing the same one, but you're not. She turns up. She knocks on the door. She doesn't know you, and she goes, "Don't I know you?" <laughs> And it's really cool, but that's not the best bit, right? So the whole thing, and you get to that specific ending. So for the B, without giving away what actually happens to cause this one, this is where he's sitting in his room at the end and he says he finished the game and he's figured out how to make it. And there's the slow pan reveal and there's something in the background on top of a chest of drawers. Yeah. Yep. So the B knows what I mean, right? Yeah, that was the first ending I got. Ah, man. So it pans out, right? And then it cuts to, and that was the story in 1984. And it's like a modern documentary thing. And uh, and this this reporter saying, you know, blah, 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 blah. And there's one person who wants to bring the whole thing back together again, a young computer engineer. And it's the, the, the little girl from when you go see Colin. And she says, yeah, yeah, I found a copy of Bandersnatch in one of my dad's old tapes. It disappeared in 1984. And I thought, why don't I remake it? And She's talking away about how she's remaking it. Doing it for a, a streaming platform, and the reporter asks her, is it Netflix? And she goes, I can't possibly say at the moment. <laughs> and it's implying that she's making what you're just playing now. Like, it literally, she's in yeah, the yeah. and she brings up the first scene and starts programming it. There's a really nice little touch, but it's a bit spoilery, but it, it's like the consequences of the stuff that you've been playing up to that point. Oh, nice. So, like, the game that she's programming crashes, then you have two choices. Destroy computer, throw tea over computer, which is one of the choices that you get several times as Stefan. When you're playing as him, depending on which point of the game you are, he'll just ignore it or he'll go, no, I can't do that because it's my life's work or something. Well, you can do it, but every time you pick a coffee, it's an instant game over. All right. So either one, she destroys the computer. And at that point, the second that she makes contact, it ends. Like it cuts out to like black screen as if to say you've just stopped the production of the thing you have just been playing <laughs> yeah. is really cool. I would honestly say that that is probably the canon ending because to that, after after it cuts off, it does go to credits, but then the credits yeah. like go to actually taking you back to the Netflix main menu. Cool. So for me, I would actually consider that the canon ending. I was going to say, when I said it was the first ending, it was the first full ending I got. The very first time I played it, I actually, because one of the very early choices is you can accept an offer from the game studio to produce or refuse yeah yeah and it's actually a, a bit of a trick one because you're supposed to refuse it to carry on the story but i was like except first because like oh why wouldn't you and it goes well you yeah. that's not right you know maybe you should pick again <laughs> and kind of thing because that's like 
Nice trick. It's brilliant because Colin literally, literally says wrong choice, wrong path, <laughs> right? And you yeah. don't think of anything of it at the time, right? And then it cuts to like, you see like a review. And it says, oh, it was like it's by committee and it wasn't very good, <laughs> two out of five. And it just cuts to six months later at Christmas and the game hasn't sold very well. It didn't review very well. And he's just sitting there in front of the telly with his dad at Christmas and his dad going, so what are you going to do? And he just goes, I think I'm going to try again. And then it cuts back to the... It starts like, the whole thing again. It's brilliant, yeah. <laughs> if you do end up playing it, Squidge, yeah. and you get that video review of the game, pay attention to what he says because he tells you how far through the game you are. Oh, cool. He'll say, like like B said there, two out of five stars. Tells you you're kind of, you're kind of getting it, but you're not quite there. You know, yeah. and, and what he says, his review of the game, the game that you that the character has created, yeah. I'm sure he says something like, maybe they should have gone back in time and done it all again, but that sentence doesn't make sense. Uh, or something like that, telling <laughs> you what's going to happen next. It's brilliant. Uh, and, it's, and it's not quite as simple as assuming that five out of five stars means that's the good ending or necessarily that means that's the ending ending. You de- definitely play for it a few times to get different endings and see what happens because it's a very interesting mm. experiment. I will preface it with saying that if you end up going to try and get into the safe, there's like three really creepy, really scary sort of jump scare bits in there, depending on what you choose. So be aware of those. Right. You know, if jump scares get you. So be aware of those going in because there's a character you're supposed to look out for and, and all that kind of stuff. Jump scares don't tend to get me. It's... I mean, I like Dead Set when I watched it originally, but the reason why I don't watch things like Black Mirror is because it's it's dark. Yeah, I'm more for the um, like psychological. Well, psychological don't bother me either. It's just when it's overly dark and there's no like light at the end of the tunnel. You know, there's no sort of levity at the end of it. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing about Black Mirror. It's very bleak. Yeah, especially these days, I need to watch something where there's some sort of like hope at the end of it. It's not just dark, depressing, dark, depressing end. So what I would say to you, Squidge, is don't watch Metalhead. That's a really bleak one. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're talking about other episodes of Black Mirror... Welcome to the Black Mirror podcast. <laughs> there are two that are definitely happy endings. And that's San Junipero and... What's the other dating one called? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I know which one you mean. Um, oh, Yes. Hang and San Junipero are the two happy Black Mirrors. Right. All the rest, not necessarily that they have bad endings, but yeah, they do. They are pretty bleak as far as yeah. they go. I tend to be okay with sort of like bleak or darker stuff when everything seems to be going okay. Um, especially this last year, it hasn't been too nice to me. And when I've sort of got that in my actual life, I don't want to see it. I'd rather see the polar opposite. So when everything's going fine, I don't mind a bit of dark bleakness. But when everything's yeah. going like t- up, I'd rather not be reminded of it. <laughs> to be fair, if you did watch San Junipero, I think you'd really like it. Yeah. It would be your gateway drug into Black Mirror, and I think you'd like it. And I think you'd really, like, there's so much stuff in Hang the DJ that you're watching it and going, what? Wait, and the end happens and you go, whoa! Hang the DJ is cool because it's, like, it's, it's slightly different. Where what, San Junipero is good because it's got, like, quite a lot of levity in it, whereas Hang mm. the DJ looks like it's going to be going all bleak. And then... Mm kicks around at the end with a with a very uplifting twist mm. so yeah i might give them a go i would start with san junipero and if you like that try hang the dj but and then maybe just stop at that point mm. if you want one that is dark but funny 
the very first episode. Whoa, what's it called? Is that the one where there's um the the prime minister's got to do something with a certain animal? Correct. Right. Yes. Yes. Correct. So I remember hearing about that, and it caused a massive thing. Yeah, that one's still dark, but it's actually it's dark comedy, <laughs> so it's very much played quite. I mean, it's not played like massively lightheartedly, but it is very much black comedy. Yeah. Yeah, it's re- it's really weird when I watch stuff like that. If it's if it's something like Dead Set, I'll watch it. I don't mind. Because it's, you know, this happened, there's zombies all over the place, you know, it's survivors against it. I mean, given Dead Set's pretty bleak ending, if you know what I mean, isn't it? It is a bleak ending, but when, when it's something like Dark Mirror, it's set like in the real world. Mm. A little bit. So the Dead Set, I can suspend my disbelief, as, as long as Umbrella don't get their hands on stuff, we should be okay. But when it's something that could possibly happen in the real world... Not sort of that, but when you've got actual reactions, other than we've got to survive. If you like the Twilight Zone, then... Yeah. So, I'll tell you what, right? Let me further B's recommendation. If you like San Junipero, mm. and you can get through Hang the DJ, and you don't mind those two, check out Nosedive. Yeah. That is a good episode. It does get a bit bleak, but it's not horrendous. Mm. But you then realise that uh, China is doing something similar in China at the moment. Mm. But, anyway... This is not the Black Mirror podcast. Yeah, Black Mirror, yeah. <laughs> the games? That's another thing. <laughs> okay, so in that case then, let's talk to B about what he's been playing recently. Oh my god, it's me. Yes. Um so, yeah, well you're gonna have to sit down for this. I mean I say you're gonna have to sit down for this. It's not gonna be uh you may be surprised to know that two of my things I've been playing this month have not been on the Switch. <gasps> oh my god I think I just died. Thud. Yes. I know. Like I was gonna say, well it might even get away with me not even mentioning the Switch at all. There is one other thing that I have been playing, but we might get onto that. We might not. We'll see. <laughs> but the first thing I'm going to definitely say is Tetris Effect, which is on the PS4, and it's got a lot of Game of the Year lists, including Eurogamers and Giant Bombs, and with good reason. I'm going to say this now, with good reason. The first thing you look at it and you think it's Tetris, but it's 35 quid. How is Tetris worth 35 quid? It's a 20, 30-year-old game. How dare it be, etc. But it's really doing it a disservice to just call it Tetris with pretty lights. Yes, it has got a VR component. Yes, you can play it in VR, and a lot of people are saying, you have to play it in VR, it's amazing. Got to play it in VR, it's like a game-changing. I'm sure it is. I don't have it in VR. Don't have a VR headset, and yet still I found it absolutely brilliant. It is Tetris, but more than that, you have, I mean, in the main mode, which is a journey mode, you have this music that diegetically changes in order to kind of fit with what you're doing. So as you're moving, pressing the buttons left and right, dropping it down, it's kind of got making like noises to the beat. And there's this music that is just, it is absolutely superb. It's from the guy who, the executive producer, is the guy who made Res and those sorts of music games. So you know there's some pedigree there. And just as you're coming down, there's sort of this, and and I'm going to sound absolutely, there's a lot of these like phrases which sound to the layman a little bit wild. You know, so self filling, but it's this oral experience <laughs> that is hard to describe genuinely 
wonderful. Like you've got the space kind of shapes and music and stuff and running through. And then that's all going to, I mean, calling it a trip, like, you know, like a drug trip sounds very cliche, but it is really hard to describe it, you know, in any other terms. LSD simulator. It's really satisfying how it plays and chunky and, you know, all the shapes fitting in that classic Tetris way. And yet still feels like this entirely different experience to any other Tetris game that there's ever been. Mm. Like, genuinely. <laughs> you've also got like some new mechanics. Like you've got this bar that fills up. And when you get to that point of the bar filling up, you can press a button and I think it's called zone. Activate the zone mechanic. And then time stops. And you can, while time stops, you can just drop down shapes without having to worry about, you know, stuff building up. or Because it also like deletes any lines. Mm even if they're not on the bottom, so that like stacks them up and then removes them. And as you go through each level, it's like a different soundscape and a different like musical track. And you change levels once you've done like 30 or 40 lines. And then we'll move on to the next one. And each one's so different. So you've got this like a jazz level where it's like a cityscape moving through and the, the when the pieces go down, it's a piano. You've got these underwater levels where you've got like squid, jellyfish, things moving across. And as you put things down, you make uh, Tetris lines and then you've got like dolphins jumping over the screen and going around to the side. Um, And then you've also got, that's just the main story mode. You've also got this sort of kind of, I say classic mode, I I forget what they call it now in the game, but it's uh, these like, you can play just a standard marathon game of Tetris or a sprint game or a mystery game where it throws in like these little modifiers such as making your pieces bigger every 30 seconds or making so you can't see the preview of where your thing's going to land, where your shape's going to land. And then there's like ones where game modes where you can play like a sprint, which is where you've only got like a minute to make as many lands as you can. Or ones where they also have like these called weekend events where you'll get double points in a certain thing so you can level up your bar. To, and that's just to get you sort of these cosmetic things for, for your avatar that can float around so you can see, like, the other mode is where, like, the multiplayer, what there is, lies. Because there isn't actually any local multiplayer. It's all, like, high scores and yeah. checking where you are on the table, etc., etc. Mm. But, yeah, it's just it's really hard to aptly describe Tetris Effect without actually playing it. So I do recommend, like, at least watching a YouTube video of someone playing it to, to really get a feel for what Tetris Effect is, because it's doing it such a, a disservice to say that it's just Tetris dressed up a bit, because it's so much more than that, and it's very well worth the money. Even just Tetris isn't just Tetris. It's Tetris. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How come a 30-year-old game can get Game of the Year? And it's like, well, you know, when it's so good that it stands a test of time that long, then surely it's doing something yeah. right, you know what I mean? And I've really enjoyed my time with it, like, ridiculous levels. <laughs> Are we talking playing it every second of the day type of... Thing. I mean, you know, I when I can't think of anything else I want to play, then I will definitely boot it up and hmm. blast. You know, I've played a lot of it as well, where just because of the music's so lovely and so good that I've genuinely had times where I've been working or whatever for a few hours, and I've just stuck a let's play of it in the background, hmm. obviously non-commentary, yeah. and then let the music play while I'm working. So if you could possibly get, I don't know, a, a soundtrack for it, it'd definitely be something you'd listen to. That'd be amazing. There's a five track sample soundtrack that came out yeah as a sort of promo thing currently there's no actual soundtrack though i'd love that but some people have asked the developers and they've said that unfortunately because of the way they programmed the sound so closely into the game action they're not sure if they could find a way to extract that to make a cd release makes sense but if there is i would be on it i would be on it 
very fast indeed <laughs> because I, I love Tetris Effects. I think it's brilliant. It's a massively, I wouldn't say underrated game because I know a lot of people have rated it very highly and it's had a lot of praise, but it's one of those that's kind of snuck under the radar given all the hype around like Red Dead Redemption 2, God of War and all that. Not to say Spider-Man, God of War, Red Dead Redemption 2 are great games for this year, but the fact that Tetris Effect stands amongst them as a game of the year is just tantamount to how that 30-year-old formula can still be such a compelling experience. Yeah, just snuck in right at the end of the year. Exactly, yeah. 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 Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Tetris, it's, it's universal, it's quite easy. You make lines, try not to get all yeah. your stuff to the top because you fail, and it's it's quite easy to pick up and play. So It's easy to understand and it's difficult to master, and it, it hits that exact sweet spot mm. of that sort of challenge that you want from a puzzle game yeah. while still remaining you know, absolutely compelling to play hours later or you know days later etc etc yeah I, c- I can see that it's definitely something i might have to look up i do recommend it mm. sounding like i'm on drugs i'm on drugs it's called tetris effect go buy it go buy it i'm not pusher you're pusher i don't need an intervention stop looking at me i'm cold anyone got the munchies <laughs> <laughs> dude he's, he's got the tetris effect <laughs> that reminded me of what was it peep show where uh, one of the characters goes on crack and he says hey yeah. do you know what's really moorish Crack. That's <laughs> <laughs> really Moorish, isn't it? <laughs> so you, you've been on the uh, Tetris effect? Quite heavily. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, I've loved you, it. You need another shot of it. <laughs> it's not the only thing I've been playing this month, uh, or this last few weeks. I've also played Return of the Obra Dinn. Gesundheit. Exactly. This is a game <laughs> on Steam currently. Um, it is by Lucas Pope, who you may remember from the wonderful Papers, Please. Yes. And it is a game where you start off investigating a ship and this ship went missing sometime a hundred years ago 50 years ago whatever it was and you are now the in a similar way that papers please saw you performing duties as a um customs person doing forms now you are it's still like that you're filling out paperwork but now you are a sort of insurance person okay and you have to figure out how every single person on the ship died or what happened to them. Okay. And you have to do this. You have a magic watch and this watch lets you go to a corpse, open the watch and it will transport you back to the moment that person died. And just that moment. And that moment is frozen in time where they died and you can walk around it, look around it, examine it, see what people are there. And so you do this about 50 or 60 times until you've got the fates of every single person. And obviously it's not, necessarily obvious like who died and to how so you've got this like book you fill in and you've got to fill in you've got like a picture of every single member of the crew you've got a crew manifest and then you have to identify each member of the crew find out who they died and what's by what killed them or who killed them so it's sort of a giant mystery Cluedo sort of game. I was going to say, it kind of sounds like a mix between Cluedo and Sexy Brutal. A little bit, yeah. Like At no point do you interact with any of the people directly. You can't interact with people. You can't stop them from doing things. You can't, you know, you, you are just in this frozen in time space where you can walk around and move around and look around, but you can't in any meaningful way interact with that space. It sounds like a Doctor Who episode. A little bit. Like, you're, you're kind of investigating um like so how so the very first one is easy because obviously it's the tutorial one but you've got like the captain getting shot by his first mate in that moment like frozen watching the captain with a gun pointed at him and you had someone else like creeping in from the back but then you've got to examine whether it was the first mate that shot him and what the first mate's name was 
And if that didn't kill him, what did? And etc. And then you find out what happened on the ship along its journey and how each person on it died. And it's done so cleverly and in a really sort of, can't even think of the word, like this very meaningful, not meaningful, but this way that feels like it's got some weight to it, if you know what I mean. It's some smart gameplay mechanics. Yeah, it, it's making you think about stuff in a sort of theoretical way, but then giving you these dioramas, I suppose, of these scenes to let you then move about them in the physical space and try and examine from every angle and try and work out exactly how somebody might have died or, like I say, something else might have happened to them, not to spoil things. There's a similar thing that, I can't remember her name, I do apologise, but this this woman in the 1960s or 70s, she made mini dioramas of, like, rooms mm-hmm. and house. And these mini dioramas, they don't have an explanation to them. Yeah. But they're all sort of something either horrendous or diabolical happened in this diorama. It's a miniature thing. And what they do is, I think it's in a museum, or they use it as a like a training aid in the States. Police officers and FBI agents go there, and they have to sort of analyse what happened. It's like what you say, it's like a miniature diorama. Yeah. But you have to sort of look at it from all different angles, possible what happened. It kind of sounds like that. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, another thing that really kind of gives it this individuality is that the whole thing is done in the sort of style of an old black and white IBM game. So you can actually choose when you start your visual style and you can have like Commodore or IBM or whatever, but it's only like this black and white line drawing with textures. So there's no color in the game whatsoever. Cool. But then you've got this. It helps with it because it makes things stand out and it makes things very obvious. So when you you know what sort of things are relevant to what you're trying to examine because of the way it's sort of simplistic, but not overly simple, like but stands out so that you know what's relevant and you can filter out from your brain yeah. what things in the scene aren't going to matter because you can't see them or because they, they are not as much in focus. And yeah, it's a really great combination of straightforward and yet incredibly mind-twisting. Like It really makes you feel smart when you make a connection and you don't get told if it's correct until you've made at least three yeah. at a time. And like I said, there's about 60 or to go to go through. So you only get them in groups of three when they're correct. So there's also this sort of planning of of how to go through and i don't know if anyone else would play it like this but i went through the entire game getting everybody's fate before locking them in my answers in and you, you can change at any time obviously until they're locked in only when you get them correct are they ever locked in so you can go through the entire game and then do all your answers at the end but you do end up like making notes on paper and everything and it's a really smart piece of engineering and i was just about to say i can just imagine one guy sat there with his pc and he sort of wheels his chair over and the full wall next to him he's got sticky notes and red bits of yeah. tape and all the rest of it <laughs> like the um, always sunny guy wonderful wonderful game so did you want to do a third b or do you want to pass the the chalice i guess um I'll quickly do a third. The third game I've been playing this last couple of weeks, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. So sorry, I went back to Switch. <laughs> so close. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, if you like Smash Brothers, it is Smash Brothers. I'm someone who has not really played the series much since the very first one, other than, of course, having a few players on subsequent ones every now and again when I've uh, vis- visited you guys. <laughs> but aside from that, I've uh, yeah, I've not really played much since then. And so this for me, is indeed the ultimate Smash Brothers indeed. package. So many new fighters, so many new stages. And yeah, it's a little hard to kind of get used to 
especially if, like I say, like me, or you didn't understand the nuances of it. So it could be a bit more welcoming. But no, it's it's good fun in the end. And I think it's a really cool fighting game where it's balanced, but it doesn't feel like it's balanced to the point of shaving all the edges off. Like there are some fighters who are ridiculously kind of unfair and overpowered or whatever, but yeah. but not to the point of making it everyone quit to the pot when when you know when that person comes up. So there's like there's a bit of like a gentleman's agreement and stuff of of not picking certain people if you don't want to. And yeah, and the the spirits bit convoluted, probably more than they need to be. A lot of people said that subspace a missionary was like um incredibly cool single player mode, and this one feels a bit less of a thing than that did because it's not really a proper story. It's kind of going around a map doing some. I like what they've done in terms of some of the spirits are represented by certain characters who. For example, you say you've got like a Pokemon that's not in the game might be represented by like a Jigglypuff, but with ice powers or something, for example. I don't know. And that's quite cool. And the, But the collecting things seems a bit superfluous, but it's still, at the end of the day, it's a Smash Brothers game. And it still has that one more go feel of Smash Brothers, where it's very entertaining in groups. It's quite insane online. I, haven't, I know a lot of people have had issues with it, but I've not really had that many issues. I've only had about two disconnect. And aside from that, yeah, it's... Everything that Smash Brothers has been in the last few years feels like it is in this package. So definitely a recommendation if you like Smash Brothers. I mean, I wish I could say more on it, but I'm not an expert on Smash Brothers. So yeah, I'll second that. It's definitely one to recommend. It's good fun. It's good fun. So yeah, I've really enjoyed it. And that's what I've been playing this last uh, last couple of months. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump in before Squidgy does his, just simply because I feel like when Squidgy does his, there's going to be a full discussion point attached to it. <laughs> And it may dominate the rest of the episode. So as long as it's okay with you, Squidge. Is it to do with a board game or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe. Spoilers. Well, I've already mentioned it twice, so... Well, spoilers all around, then. The spoiler cast. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the spoiler cast, where we just tell you things that are going to happen in your media. Mwahaha. So I'll just quickly rattle off what I've been playing recently, because it's a short list. And, you know, they're all retro games, so everybody's played them already, presumably. So what I've been playing recently is Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast. Ooh. Yeah. I don't know. I used to always like the first one and not the second one. Yeah, I think everybody got it right when they said that Sonic Adventure 2 was the greater game of the two. Yeah. Sonic Adventure wasn't a great game to begin with, so, you know. There's that whole Tails is going to crash thing that I brought up last time. Just snowboarding down the street. That's exactly it. The greatest piece of Sonic-related video game music is presented to you and slaps you in the face as soon as the episode starts. You could say you're rolling around at the speed of sound. Here we go. But when you've got places to go, you've got to follow your rainbow. If I could slap you, be I would. That song is in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, I should say, by the way, so yeah. You had to butt in with the Switch, didn't you? <laughs> well, to be fair, Squidge, you were, I wrote it down as soon as it got mentioned, you were the first person that brought up the Switch. So, there you go. Yeah, but I didn't keep rattling on about it like he did. Well, fair enough. And the other two games I've been playing is the is the OG Sonic the Hedgehog for the Sega Master System. Oh, dude. Um, which was not created by Sega. It was created by a separate development team, which is why it's slightly different and why you don't play the special stages to get the emeralds and, you know, why there's some non-canon stuff in it. But it is loads of fun. I did also play Super Hang-On, but only for about 20 minutes because I got really frustrated with it, nearly threw my GPD across the room. So I'm not really counting that as a what have I been playing recently. Uh, are you sure you're not really Ryu from um, Shenmue? Maybe that's it. Maybe I'm Ryu <laughs> from Shenmue. Playing all of those games in the 80s on a Sega Saturn. 
What's my problem, Squidge? I think I know what the problem is. Was when you were playing it, was you turning like physically turning as you turned? No. Whenever you play Super Hang On, you lean in with it and move the console with it. Believe me, it helps. Fair enough. Um, and the other thing I've been playing recently is the OG Resident Evil, <laughs> except it's not the original original. It's the director's cut of the original version. <laughs> so yeah. And I actually legit got stuck for a little while, right? So I have completed, apart from the HD HD remake, so the very recent re-release of the remake, right? I've played every single version of the Resident Evil, the first Resident Evil game that has officially been released. So I haven't played the Game Boy Color version of it because that never got officially released, but I've played every single version of that game that's ever been released and completed them every single time. And I got stuck as Jill. And the reason I got stuck is because I somehow triggered a video sequence where you go into Sea Forest and Barry walks in. Right. I was playing a range mode and when you go Sea Forest, that's where one of the keys is. Yeah. But because I thought I've triggered the video, I must have everything in this scene. So I'll walk away. And then I spent the next 20 minutes walking around the mansion and I thought, you know what, I'll go back and see Forrest because I remember he gets up in director's cut and he hasn't gotten up. And I went back in, I went to investigate him and there's the bloody key I've been looking for for the past 20 minutes. <laughs> That's a range mode for you. <laughs> it wasn't him that killed me though. It was uh, it was the first fight with Yawn because oh. I thought, I'm not having this. I'm not going to fight it. I'm just going to run around and do that little trick where you can, if you're fast enough at running past it, you can go grab whatever item it leaves and then leg it out of the room. And it acts as though it's died. It's brilliant, except I wasn't fast enough and I got eaten. Well, the thing is, when you go to pick up the crest, what you've got to do is you've got to move around the centre pillar, right? Run along its body. As long as you don't get hit by it, it will get poisoned. Pick up the crest, and then you've got to stand behind that wall. Mm-hmm. And when Yawn starts coming round, just about to go behind you, start running round and go around its body and run out. The tracking is quite bad. What it'll do is it Yawn's head will always be where you are, mm-hmm. but because there's such a small amount of room, when you run round, it can actually turn round to attack you. There's not enough length between where it's coming round and its body, so you can just leisurely run out at that point. The hardest bit is just not getting bit when you go pick up the crest. It's, that's the speedrunner's trick. You can just stay there and the tracking glitches slightly so that when you run out, it'll be trying to go around that really small space. Yawn will try and get all of its body there mm-hmm. because it's such a small space, it'll get stuck which gives you more than enough time to just leisurely stroll out like a boss, you know. You know, that's the annoying bit, because I did the hardest bit, which was running in and picking up the uh, whatever item it was. It was getting back out that I found that I found difficult to do. You've got to stand right next to the wall. Mm-hmm. If you stand anywhere else of it, it can attack you, because it's got that length when it comes around the corner. You stand right next to the wall before it goes to do its attack animation. It'll try and get behind you, mm-hmm. or within clear shot, and there's not enough room while it's turning around. That's the trick. You've got to be right next to the wall. As soon as it's gone by, you run through. Different on the cube version. It's not the length of the yawn. It's what he does with it. Steady on. Just like with all British humour, it was not worth the payoff. Intro music is Behind the Lines by Ian Sutherland.
Outro music is I Need You Watashi no Sabate by GH. Spoiler break music is Spectrum Subdiffusion Mix by Phonics. Palette cleanser music is Breathe Deep, Breathe Clear by Siobhan Gay. See the show notes for more details. The Waffling Tailors podcast is a proud member of the J&J Media Network. To find out more about J&J Media, head over to jayandjay.media or check the show notes for a link.